I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a conversation featuring fresh voices and diverse perspectives on culture, community, business, and more. My guest today is Tony Vila, a celebrated football athlete and committed community professional. Our conversation is being recorded today by Zoom. Tony Veland, the Director of Business Development for the AIM Institute, is an Omaha native who is known for his past accomplishments in the sports arena as a former Nebraska Cornhusker and Denver Bronco. As a two-time national champion and a Super Bowl champion, he has experienced success at the highest levels, and he loves to use his platform to encourage the next generation to be successful in life beyond the areas of athletics. The AIM Institute helps to accomplish this as they provide exposure to a growing technology industry that abounds in opportunity. With the mission being to increase the tech talent pipeline, they have created platforms for individuals of all ages to take advantage. Tony speaks to the impact they are having in the community and the ways that an individual or business can get involved. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stuart. I really appreciate you having me on. We have a high mountain to climb to get to talking about the pinnacle of your success. So I said we right. would start at the beginning. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> and, that's and, fine. And, and so the beginning, I think, is, you know, literally where, where it started. So um, would you mind sharing just a little bit about, uh, about your childhood, your family context, uh, any kind of stories that stand out from, you know, when you were young? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm born and raised in Omaha. Um, Lived in the in the Benson area uh, pretty much my whole life. A um, couple of siblings, a younger brother, younger sister, um, and I had a childhood that was, you know, when it's all said and done, it was we had a we had a good family unit. Um, we didn't have much. We grew up in one of the lower um, income zip codes in, in Omaha, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I can't say that I saw a lot in the way of you know, success or material success or that type of thing when I was a kid. Um, but one thing that, you know, my mother and father always did was to, to show us love and also, um, you know, make sure that we were responsible kids. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood that, you know, unfortunately, a couple blocks away, there was like significant gang activity. Um, you know, there were a lot of kids that unfortunately were involved in the, in a, in the wrong thing. And so my mom had a pretty tight rein on us. Uh, you know, we uh, when, when the streetlights came on, we we were in the, in the house, okay. <laughs> and so we were, you know, one of the few families that really had to do our chores, or we didn't go outside or play games or anything like that. And so, um, and as a kid, obviously we, you know, we hated that. You know, like no other kids had to do this. You know, mom, you're you're terrible. You know that type of thing, but. You know, as we got older, we realized, um, you know, how much she was really preparing us to be successful for life. And and even as, you know, me and my sister and my brother, you know, talk, you know, we'll, we'll you know, kind of think about the individuals that we grew up around, the kids that we grew up around and, you know, the ones that ended up being successful and, and the ones that didn't, you know, primarily because of the, the structure of the family. Um, 
my mother and father were, were great. I lost my father when I was um, 16 years old, uh, which was you know, a huge tragedy because um, he was my best friend at that particular time. Um, but he was, you know, for the time that he was on this earth, he was such a great mo- role model for me. And, and when it was all said and done, he was he was really just a good person. Um, and that was probably the biggest thing that I took from him is um, just to be good to people, you know, and, and generally that will come back to you. Um, and my mom took over from then and, and she's been superwoman, you know, from day one, but she really put the, 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 the S and the, and the cape on, you know, my father was, was gone. Um, she supported all our, all our games, you know, gave us things that, you know, honestly with, you know, how she was living and, and, you know, the money that she made at work, I look at now and I marvel at, at what she was able to do for us. Um, but it's, but it set us up, you know, for, for a great adulthood because we understood the meaning of sacrifice and we understood the meaning of family. Um, and so it was a great time. I ended up uh, going to Benson High School, did pretty well in, in sports and in academics and ended up getting a scholarship and going down to Lincoln and, and, and playing football for them. And uh, a situation that I would have never thought uh, being able to play for Coach Osborne and playing for a, a couple of championships uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have written down that story myself. You know, that was, that was, that was surreal for me. When was it, was it a slow burn as you developed your athletic prowess and, and came to a realization gradually that, um, being an athlete was a, a particular talent that you possessed or was there an epiphany, a moment when it really became clear that you, you were a cut above? You know what? I, I think I started to realize that I had decent athletic ability. Um, it was well before high school. Um, you know, I was a, I was a, you know, when I had a, a couple of, of siblings, I was, I was a pretty shy kid and we had a lot of kids in our neighborhood. Um, but if it was one place or one area where, you know, I could be bold and kind of stand out, even if it wasn't like bracket doses, I wasn't talking a lot, but my play kind of stood above itself, um, stood out for itself was, was, you know, when I'm playing football in the neighborhood with other kids. Um, and I can remember being probably 12 or 13 years old uh, and playing with most of these other guys who were 14 and 15 and being able to hold my own and um, still be able to make plays. Uh, didn't say a, heck of, a whole heck of a lot, but um, I do remember, you know, scoring touchdowns and, and making plays and, and feeling like, OK, you know, I can I can. Th- this is kind of where I shine. Um and so from there, you know, it, it really just kind of grew because there was we had some pretty decent athletes um, in our neighborhood who were older um, and me being able to compete with them at a younger age just kind of showed me that, OK, here might here. Here's an, an opportunity where I might be able to uh, shine and and do some things um, in school and beyond. So so that's really where it started. This may be me leaping a bit too far ahead, but I did want to think about how your spawning experiences had shaped you into the person you've become now and the work that you do now. And so without leaping too far ahead, I just want to ask a specific question. It sounds as if you allowed your accomplishments and your abilities to do the talking as it were for you. And it's making me think about, you know, the, the phrase um, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if if that felt accurate to you at the time. You you did your talking through your endeavors at that time, and I'm wondering if that is something that has persisted throughout your life. Yes, yes, that that is um, for the most part been how I kind of communicated, um, and, and it definitely shaped me. As as a kid, I was 
painfully shy, you know, just, and, and I don't really know why. I mean, I, you know, it, it wasn't like I, I couldn't hold a conversation or anything like that. I mean, I could, I just, I've just always been really observant, you know, just sit in the background and kind of watch, you know, things happen. Um, but it also allowed me to kind of pay attention to what was going on and, and understand what affects people um, and what doesn't and, and, you know, what people like and what don't, what they don't. Um, but that side of it has always been, you know, don't, don't be more of a talker, be a shower, you know, type situation. So that kind of, you know, really shaped me somewhat. Um, I would say another thing that, that shaped me was, is as a kid, I told you we didn't have quite a bit, um, but there were some times that we struggled quite a bit. Um, and I do remember having to go, you know, next door a time or two to actually have to brawl things, you know, um, I remember one time having to, to brawl, you know, food, you know, at, at one time, um, you know, as a kid, that can be, you know, pretty demoralizing. Um, and I de definitely didn't want to have to do that at that particular time. But going through that, it also taught me that, you know, you don't need to be ashamed necessarily when you're going through tough times, number one. And number two, that people will help you, you know, that, that people are here, that we are all here, you know, to serve each other and, and you know, to be that, that beacon of help for when people actually need things. And so, um, you know, going through that again, when I went through it, I, I, I you know, I, I didn't like it at the particular time, but it just taught me so much about, about humility and about, you know, the goodness of, of people's hearts. Um, and that's something that I kind of wanted to continue to give back regardless of what I have, whether it was a lot or whether it was a little. Um, and so I really think those, those couple of experiences really shaped, you know, who I became as a person. your father at 16. It must have been a profoundly um, emotional experience, not just in, in terms of, you know, the, the sadness of that tragedy, but in terms of the impact on you as a person and who you become. And I'm, I'm wondering if you look back on that experience and, and see uh, those changes. So how did that, you know, terrible experience change who you were at the time and, and you know, who you've become? 
you know, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily changed who I was. Um, Cause at the time I, you know, I, I was, you know, still trying to model my father's behavior who was, you know, for him within, you know, his family dynamic, he was one of 10 kids and, you know, he was, a, he was a, the, the oldest and he kind of had to be like a father figure for all of his brothers and sisters. So he was always the one that needed to be responsible and take care of things. And, um, and so I saw that and, you know, I, I just really admired that. And, and I love that. Um, and I think, you know, once he passed, it just made me more conscious of, you know, kind of who I wanted to be, how I wanted to represent him, how I want to represent my family um, and make sure that I'm, you know, kind of doing the same thing for my family, you know, being responsible, making good decisions and putting myself and my family in, in, in positions of success. And so, um, so it probably made me mature a little bit faster, um, seeing that he was gone and everything. My mom had to, you know, take care of everything. Um, I wanted to, to make sure that I was, you know, the least bit of, you know, burden or hassle, you know, on her. Um, and, and help her in any way I can. But, you know, again, you know, the things, the way that I felt and the way I acted towards the family, you know, I wanted to make sure that that's how I presented myself, you know, in the public and into society as well. And so um, that really came to be um, who, I, who I grew into. We do need to talk about sport and the successes. Mm-hmm. And I hope this doesn't seem trite because the answer to this question could be as simple as you saying the word winning. <laughs> but... I'm wondering if um, there are some highlights of your professional sporting career that that stood out to you at the time, and maybe some years afterwards, if you look back and see different experiences in your sporting career that stand out to you. So there's probably a few. Um, My senior year, our high school football team ended up going five and four. Um, And that doesn't sound like a big thing, but that was the best year that Benson had had in probably 15 years. Um, And so that was really big for me because when I went to Benson, you know, our first year we were two and seven, second year we were two and seven, third year we were three and six, last year five and four. But I knew going in that it was going to be an uphill battle. So even as my freshman year, I knew what the, the record was, what the history was. And in my mind, I made a decision that I'm going to do whatever I can to better that, to, to make sure that when I leave this place, that it's going to be in a better, it's going to be in a better situation to move forward. Um, and so knowing that and making that commitment and putting in all the work and, you know, getting other players to, you know, kind of join in with me in that cause, um, you know, finishing the year at that five or four was, was still a disappointment because we felt like we were a better team than that. But it was still a huge accomplishment because we got the ball rolling the right direction. And even once I left, it was three years later that Benson actually played in the state championship. They didn't win, but they played in the state championship. So, so that thing right, that right there was was really fulfilling for me because um, it really taught me, you know, if, if you believe in something and you put in the work in and you trust the process, that positive things will happen. You know, it may not be a championship, it may not be a Super Bowl, that type of thing, but positive things will happen, and that's something that I can carry. Um, on in, in, in other areas of my life. So, you know, that was huge. Um, and then as I got older, as I got into college, um, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I was one of those players that had the injury bug really, really bad. Um, and, you know, I was a decent enough player, good enough to compete with, you know, the people down there. But, um, you know, my body wasn't cooperating, <laughs> you know, it was injury after injury after injury. Um, 
And there were my my last major injury was when I tore my patellar tendon my in my second year, my my see my third year. Um, and I went to a, a a pretty you know deep depression, kind of a funk, you know, didn't want to do school, didn't want to listen to coaches or listen to family or anything like that. Um, and it, it took the intervention of a teacher in Lexington who I didn't know, who you know wrote to me out of the blue, just just saying, listen, this is another trial that you're going through. You know, God has another plan for you. Just you know, put your head down, work, pray, those type of things, and then things will work out. Um, and you know, long story short, it did. You know, it did. I I, I healed. I continued to work. Um, I continued to trust in the process. I you know leaned on my my family and my teammates, and I was able to get back. Um, and I came back stronger, you know, when it was all said and done, even though I wasn't playing quarterback anymore, I was in the playing safety, you know, the story wrote itself better than I could have ever written myself. You know, we we end up challenging for three championships, winning two of those. Um, I end up getting drafted to the the, uh, NFL, which I honestly never thought was a possibility because when I first went to college, I was a black quarterback who was an option quarterback. And you just uh, didn't see that at that time in, 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 in the NFL. Um, and so, so just the whole journey in itself just, just kind of taught me that, you know, as long as you believe in yourself, you know, you can, you can kind of determine your own fate. And, and if you put the work in, good things will happen. And so, um, so I'm, I'm a huge believer of that, believer in that. And a lot of times when I talk to people, I'm always talking about, you know, perseverance and, and being resilient and, and doing what you and having a goal and, and doing whatever it takes to accomplish that particular goal. I'm really glad that you mentioned leaning on your teammates because it seems to me that sporting teams are one of those arenas in life's experiences just one of many there are other arenas for this but they are a place where our understanding of what the word community means can really be um, refined and honed for ourselves Mm -hmm. and i know you're committed to bettering the communities you live in and specifically the the omaha area and so I'm wondering what it is you learn from your sporting teams and being a part of teamwork um, in a sporting environment that maybe has shaped what you understand community to mean to you. I've, I've really taken the attitude that, that I don't try to do anything by myself. You know, um, when, you, when you play football, you're never out there by yourself. You always have 10 other people on the field um, and each one plays their role. And if you play the role the right way, um, you gain yards and you may even score a touchdown, you know, those types of situations. Um, and I feel that that's the same way that it really should be in life. You know, we all have, we're, we're all on this, this earth um, to kind of serve each other. And I think when we try to do things by ourselves, I think we just make it harder for ourselves. You know, um, we are, we as people are our best resources. So, you know, when we're trying to accomplish something, why not you know, have one or two or three or four minds together to try to solve their problem. Um, and, 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 you know, and we're all human, so we're all fallible. So, you know, we make mistakes, we get tired, we get exhausted, you know, and when those things happen, you know, we need other people to be able to lean on, you know, to help us in those causes. And we also need to be a leaning post for when other people, you know, have those, those problems as well. So, um, so if it's really more than, than anything that I've learned from, you know, football, is that, you know, I want to make sure that I have people with me um, that I can lean on. Um, but it's also much easier to accomplish the goal when you've got brothers around you to help you do that. Mm-hmm.
you talked about the injury and how your body didn't cooperate. Um, you know, obviously that spoke to you in a different way about the interior landscape that you have in terms of your emotional and psychological fortitude. I'm just curious if you think differently about physical injury because of the experiences you had, or if in fact you're even more concerned about, you know, the nature of physical injuries now that the research has, um, you know, is telling us more about the nature of physical injuries in American football as a sport. So I'm just curious sort of how your attitudes about injuries have changed and morphed, you know, over time. As I've gotten older, um, I realize how easy it is to get injured. Um, you know, I've, I've coached for a number of years um, and, I, and I see some of these kids and, you know, running full speed and they stop on a dime and, you know, go different, direct, different directions. And, and, you know, we put we put them through a lot. You know, it is quite a bit. But I will say that my my attitude toward it hasn't really changed much. Now, I know when it comes to, you know, the very serious ones with concussions and, and things of that nature, um, you know, I'm happy that we have, you know, better protocols um, that we can follow to make sure that those things are, are getting taken care of. But I also don't necessarily want people to be scared to play the game, you know, whether it's football or basketball or anything else, because, um, you know, I, I think I think when and this is this is a, kind of a, a huge issue I have sometimes is, you know, I've, I've been a coach and I, I have, you know, mothers and fathers are worried about their kids and, you know, I don't, I don't want my kid to get hurt and, and so on. And, so on. and I completely understand that. But I don't think you should project that onto the kid, because when you have a kid out there and he's being hesitant he's more apt to get hurt when he's being hesitant and thinking about getting hurt you know if you if you don't think about that then a lot of times you you just you just play the game and um you know injuries come but you can deal with those and you can get past those um so my attitude has 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 not changed especially considering you know i've had an extensive unfortunately you know injury career and, and i could have turned away any time and, and said in my mind, well, God's telling me that I shouldn't play this game. You know, that's why I keep getting hurt. I, I, I could have gone that route. But when it's all said and done, like if you want to accomplish something, you want to go through the highs and lows to make it happen. And so um, for me, that that wasn't the message I got. For me, it was a message, okay, if you really want it, you know, work a little bit harder and maybe it works for you. So, um, so I mean, maybe that doesn't necessarily answer the, the question completely for you, but you know, injuries are part of the game. Um, I don't try to push anybody away from the game because of injuries, because that's that's just the nature of the beast. And so I, I don't want people to be scared of it, but I just, I just don't want people to be too hesitant because of, you know, what has happened in the past. I think, I think we're doing good. Though. I think we're making great strides towards uh, better treatment and better prevention, um, ways of prevention. Um, and I, I think that's, that's kind of paying off. Quick question. When, when did you formally retire from professional football i left football in um 2000 basically um, okay. my last year playing was 98 in carolina um and after the 99 season i was still trying to get tryouts and this and that but then um in 2000 i just i was like i have a, i have i have a, a wife i have two kids you know i can't continue to chase this you know type of thing and we got to try to you know get a regular job and <laughs> and pay bills around here so uh so that's when i officially gave it up i asked that question because before we started recording sort of joking a little bit about journeys and about time frames and you know beginnings and ends and this sort of thing and and it occurs to me that more than many people your life might from the outside 
probably maybe it doesn't feel like this to you, but from the outside it might seem as if there are clear chapters. And if anybody Googles you, so much that pops up, of course, is going to be the, the historic pedigree you have as a sporting uh, professional. But that makes me wonder about, you know, the, the real Tony Veland. You know, when the public perception of you might be as a sporting athlete, I, I just wonder if you feel a little out of control of your own identity and if it's hard for you to sort of think about the next chapter of your life that isn't associated with sport. Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, I realize that, um, you know, what I was able to accomplish, the teams, you know, that was what we were, were able to accomplish, um, you know, they're really big things. Um, and, and they're going to follow me for probably the rest of my life. And, and you know, honestly, I, I'm grateful for that, to have been a part of that. Um, but I also feel like the people who know me know me for more than sports. Um, they know me for doing things in the community. They know me for um, doing things with the youth. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, when people get a chance to meet me, they understand that I'm I'm not one of those individuals that, you know, just brings up sport and talks about, you know, the past and that type of thing. I, I talk about, you know, how we can impact now, you know, what we can do um, to, to create more opportunity and to help people be more successful and, and that type of thing. So, so I'm not, I'm not as really caught up in, in what Google, you know, brings up, uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome that, you know, I have a couple lines on Google that yeah, people can, can kind of recognize. So that that's kind of a cool thing. Um, but I think I've done enough work within the community that, you know, people have a better sense of, especially locally, that people have a better sense of who I am or what I'm about. When you're known so much for something so mm -hmm. public and successful, it's hard to be known for something else. And right. it feels like that's a challenging place to be, possibly. It, it, it could. It could. But you know, there's a flip side to that as well. There, there, there are perks of you know, having that in the, in the background. And so um, you know, sometimes that you know, stirs up conversations that generally wouldn't be or opens doors that might be closed to you. So I, I, I try to use it as an advantage. Earlier, when you were talking about your injury, you made some comment about how you were a black quarterback. So there was just a hint there that you had a, I don't know, a degree of doubt or skepticism about being a black quarterback. And, and I wonder what are the, you know, the overtones of bias that perhaps are existing in the sport or society at large that, that you're referencing? Well, at that particular time, I mean, there was, there was no secret. You know, there, there was no secret. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of black quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and even the ones who, you know, were your, you know, traditional quarterback, the ones who weren't big runners had you know, really big arms and, and were successful in college and, and before, you know, still had a very hard time to make it. So I, I, I just didn't feel like that was going to be an opportunity for me. So I, did, I just didn't think about it. Now, now mind you, I, have been watching NFL since I was, you know, as long as I can remember, <laughs> you know, um, and when I wanted to play, um, but I just didn't, at that particular time, I just didn't think that was an opportunity. Um, and even it's just in, you know, society in general, like I, I grew up in a neighborhood that was um, high diversity. And so on top of that, as a kid, I was actually bussed to, and I wanted, I, this started when I was in fourth grade, I was bussed down to South Omaha to a school that was, you know, mainly white. And so for me, that actually worked out really great for me because I've never, 
and like I know that racism exists. I know I, you know, it's 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 there, but I've never been someone that's kind of sought it out. I never try to really, you know, look for or for example or examples. Um, I try to treat everyone the same and, and show love to to everyone that I come in contact with. And I think a lot of that started from, you know, being busted at school when I was a kid, because you know, when you're a kid, you're just a kid. You know, your problems are the same problems that other kids have. You guys get together and you play a game. If you're having fun, you like these kids. You know, it's just it's just that simple. Um, you know, we make things a heck of a lot more complex and complicated, you know, when we get older and, and you know, people start telling you X, Y, Z. But I maintain that kid-like admiration for everyone. Um, and even though we have the racial overtones and everywhere, you know, whether it's business or whether it's society, you know, whatever the case may be, I just always try to, you know, be the type of person that that people would find, you know, inviting and welcoming and and wanting to help, you know, regardless of what you look like or what you accomplished. And like, that's just always been kind of my makeup. Now, with that being said, do I ignore all the, the, the you know, the disparities that are going on? No, no, not necessarily. I mean, I'll try to do something about it, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I work where I'm, I'm working now, because, you know, we, we want to try to create more opportunities for you know people who look like me so that's obviously a big thing but um i never try to you know necessarily focus on you know the the race part of it because i i think for a lot of people that you can get so focused on something that you only see the negative and, and it gets hard to to find solutions and and deal with people in a meaningful and positive way when you're thinking of when you're looking at it from that lens so so i try to go the other route two decades ago you were making this decision to uh, retire from professional sports um, but of course retiring in this sense um, isn't the same as you know me retiring when I'm 67 what were the considerations you were making about retiring at that time what were you thinking you were going to retire into what was calling you what were you thinking was going to be your purpose for the next couple of decades and what did you do you know what? Honestly, when I made the decision, I wasn't sure. I mean, I I, I really didn't know. I know I had um, some interest in in going into finance, and I and I was an advisor for about fifteen years. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to help people be 
you know, better stewards of their finances um, and teach people about investments and those type of things, because that was something that, you know, we definitely didn't get in the in the community that I grew up in. Um, and unfortunately, in, in a lot of black communities in general, they just didn't have um, that type of awareness. And so I thought that was a place where I could truly, truly help people. Um, but I wasn't sure, you know, I, I wasn't sure I, I didn't, you know, talk to my wife and say, okay, the NFL is done. I have this concrete plan. This is where I'm going to be. This is what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure, but I always knew that I would be doing something that would be helping people. I would be doing something that will be trying to um, stimulate growth in the community. And, um, you know, that would be, you know, kind of uplifting, especially to, to the youth, because uh, I, th- I think that's, that's really huge. And so I ended up making that move. And I, you know, was at a, a couple of different companies, but, you know, when it was all said and done, um, you know, again, I wanted to do something that would, you know, help people long-term, you know, and help them with something that, you know, was kind of a, a major, you know, issue for, you know, a lot of people. Um, and and, and they, they, they teach it now, but at that particular time, they just, they weren't teaching, you know, financial literacy, you know, as, as a kid, which blew my mind. Um, I just didn't understand that, you know, you, you send people to school to learn, um, to have them get a job or to gain a profession or to create their own business, but then you don't teach them how to, you know, manage the asset that you're having them build just so that they can actually live their lives. That just didn't make sense to me. So I wanted to, um, you know, come in and, and help um, in that realm. And, and I did that for quite a while. Would you talk a little bit more about your current endeavors then as regards the AIM Institute, you know, what it does and, and why you're especially motivated to, you know, work with that organization. I've been with the AIM Institute for the last four years um, as the director of business development. Um, and I went there just, you know, completely, honestly, it was out of the blue. Um, the individual that gave me my first job out of college, his boss was on AIM's board. Um, and so they let me know about the opportunity and, you know, I'm, I've never really been a, a tech person, you know, to be completely honest with you, this was, you know, kind of like a fish out of water. I was like, what, <laughs> what, what am I doing here? Um, but when it was all said and done, I, I think uh, the guy who told me about the job, he told me about it because he knew that I was always about, you know, community outreach and trying, trying to uh, provide opportunities for people. And so I went and interviewed with tech with uh, AIM and, and learned about, you know, kind of what they're trying to do to get more people in tech but more than anything, they're trying to get more minorities in tech. And as I was just looking at, you know, kind of the landscape of today, like technology is huge, right? And it, it is really huge. And, um, you know, when I think about it from the youth side, you know, the youth are already dealing with tech, you know, they, whether it's cell phones or social media or video games, you know, those type of things, well, those three things are, are touching every kid out there, right? So, you know, what can I do to kind of change that mindset from, you know, just being a consumer to, you know, maybe thinking about, okay, I, I love this video game. I play it all the time. Maybe I can design my own video game. Or, you know, I'm looking at social media or I'm on the internet all the time. Maybe I could be one of the programmers, you know, behind all these lights on the screen, that type of thing. And, and the whole thought being is, you know, let me create a way for these, for these youth to be able to, to get out of the situation maybe get out of a cycle of generational poverty. And, and, and it may only take one or two people to have that opportunity to completely change the trajectory of a family's life, you know, and completely stimulate, you know, a growth movement in a community or, or 
or in a city, you know, that type of thing. And so, um, so I, I, when I learned that I, I went in and jumped in with, with, with two feet. Um, and I've been happy, you know, ever, ever since I, I made that move, um, you know, I get a chance to meet, you know, a lot of people within the business world. Um, we get a chance to have a, an effect and impact on, on kids of all ages from, you know, pretty much because we start third grade all the way up through high school. And so it, it gives me a way to be able to connect with them outside of the sports room, you know, and, and the sports room, don't get me wrong, is, is great. You know, I can talk to kids about sports to I'm blue in the face, but, you know, when it kind of comes down to it, you know, all kids aren't athletic, all kids aren't going to get a scholarship and very, 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 very few kids will have the opportunity to play professionally and take care of them, their family. Um, but everybody's dealing with tech. I don't care whether you're a kid or, or not, you know, you're, you're dealing with tech and, and coming through COVID, we saw how important it is to, to have technology work the way it's supposed to. That's the way we'll be able to, you know, transact business and continue to, to communicate and those type of things. Um, and the opportunities are just growing. You know, we, we have a deficit of like 2000 jobs here locally, but, you know, across the nation, that number is, is a lot larger and continuing to grow. And it's only going to continue to grow. So, you know, if I can figure out a way to, or if we can create ways to get, you know, more people within the inner city to have those jobs, you know, you know, you're, you're changing lives, you're, you're changing patterns of generational poverty, you are, you know, putting more money in the local economy, you're doing, you're do, doing nothing but creating a win-win-win situation for all parties that are involved. Uh, and so when it's all said and done, you know, I just want us to, to be able to, you know, get more people in the space, really increase the diversity, you know, in this area, um, but that's, that's a huge eyesore. Um, and then just be successful for, you know, a lot of these companies, um, we're actually looking for talent, you know, the, with with people that are actually here who who love this place, love this, love this, the city, love the state, you know, um, but let's let's support them while they're supporting us. Yeah, you know, you were born and raised here. The, the you know some of your sporting success was based in this area, but you know you could you could live anywhere, and I'm curious why you choose not only to live here, but clearly you are investing yourself and your your energy into making this a better place. So why here in particular? Well, because I, I truly believe that whole, you know, model uh, Nebraska being the good life. You know, I, I really do. You know, we have a, a good cost of living here. We have good schools here. You know, we have a, a low unemployment rate here. Uh, but more than anything, I appreciate the people. You know, I, I just appreciate the people. You know, I've lived in a couple of different places and you know, I've talked to people all over the nation and, you know, I'll be honest, in, in a lot of the bigger states, the people aren't quite as nice, you know, or, or you go other places and you, you got to pay, you know, crazy amounts of money just for shelter, you know, that type of thing. And so I think we have, you know, kind of the, the best of both worlds here. I mean, yo, we're not this huge city, but that means we don't have the worst traffic problems out there, right? <laughs> you know, we, and you can actually, your, your dollar goes a little bit further here, um, you know, and furthermore, just kind of going back to, you know, my history, it also shows you that, you know, even though, you know, Omaha doesn't have this, you know, high profile, this super great city, like even in the past, people might think it's kind of a hick town, you know, situation, you know, you make the best of what you've been given, right? You know, I mean, I, I, I would dealt some cars that weren't great as a kid, but you figure out a way to make it work for you. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Omaha. It, it didn't probably didn't seem like it was a great, 
you know, spot to live in when I was a kid. But when it's all said and done, this has been, a, this has been an awesome place for me. All of my family was here, all of my friends, and my, you know, the, the, the really close relationships that I have have been with all people here. Um, and I love that. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to leave that. Now, that being said, Every February comes around here. I'm thinking like, why the heck am I here? <laughs> I was like that. But on the flip side of that, um, everything else about about this this the city and the state, you know, I love. feel like you've shared a lot about the lessons you've drawn from your life what what are some of the through lines that you see through all of these experiences you've had that maybe coalesce in some some key lessons about life that guide you and and perhaps you try to share with those many people that you mentor you know that's 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 an interesting interesting question but i i would probably say um it really kind of goes down to or comes down to you know what i truly believe and that's you know this is this is kind of one thing that i say quite a bit when i when i speak is that you know we as a people we are blessed to bless right which means that whatever we're given you know in abundance whether that's you know knowledge whether it's resources whether it's experiences you know whatever the case may be you know we should be using that not to hoard to ourselves, not to just recall, you know, great things that we did to ourselves and brag to people. You know, we, we really should be using that to help the next generation or to help somebody else that, that may need that. Um, so it, it doesn't really matter what, you know, filled out, you know, whether I would, I'm in finance or whether I'm, you know, working in tech or, or coaching, whatever the case may be. The, 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 the bottom line behind that is because I'm trying to help somebody, you know, and, and I think if when it's all said and done, if people kind of take that, that attitude, 
that it's not about me. It's not just about me. You know, it should be about us and we should figure out a way to make this thing work, play our role. You know, we all grow. Um, you know, that whole team, team concept, that that is what it's always been about me. And I don't think that'll ever change. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl a couple of weeks back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say that the game probably wasn't quite as exciting as I was as I would like it to be. But I, I like the fact that it was competitive. You know, it was it was really competitive. Um, and this postseason for NFL and for college, honestly, was probably the best I've seen in probably 20 years to be completely honest with you. So I was, I was, I was really happy about it. Is it hard to watch professional sports now and, and not either critique it because you've been there or to be an objective observer because you know the game? You know what? Not anymore. Um, I'll, I'll say like when I first stopped playing, um, I didn't want to watch any football, you know, cause I felt like I could still play, you know, it was just, you know, bringing up, you know, old wounds type situation. Um, and then when I was coaching, you know, for a while, it was difficult to watch because you'd be like, oh, why do you do this? They should be in this coverage and so on. But now I'm back to just being a fan. I just watch it just to, you know, just to, to, just to be entertained, just like everybody else. So um, I've, I've gotten out of my head and, and understand that I'm old now. I can't play anymore. So there's no reason to have those, those feelings anymore. So so I can enjoy it like everyone else. I'm trying to get back to the point where I can at least like not play football but maybe just play a little bit of pickup basketball here and there just so I can be somewhat mobile. Cause I really, if, if there's anything I miss, I miss being mobile. I miss being able to, to be athletic and, and move and that type of stuff. So, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to get some of that back going. So hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll be like you, uh, I'm, 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 I'll be 49 in a couple of weeks. So I'm not too far away from you. So hopefully I can get my, my mojo back by then. <laughs> My guest today has been Tony Veland, a celebrated football athlete and committed community professional. Tony, thanks so much for chatting with me. It's really been just a delight to learn more about the great work you're doing and just about life's lessons that you've experienced in a sharing. So thank you so much for being on the show. So again, I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed it. This was awesome. If instead of playing American football, you played real football, um, <laughs> which English Premier League team <laughs> would you have wanted to play for? That's 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 funny. That is funny, and I and I feel bad because I don't know the names of any other teams over there to to, to say who I play for. But uh, I, I I'll say this: whoever I play for, I will try to make that team better. I'll say that. That's good. So I'll assume you said Chelsea Football Club, Tony. There you right? go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the end of this week's show. You can listen again to this show and others by subscribing to the podcast at the website livesradioshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Lives Radio Show. The music playing in and playing out each week was created specially for the show by Andrew Bailey. 
I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden, and this is Live's radio show and podcast. Join me next week for more conversation featuring fresh voices and diverse perspectives on culture, community, business, and more. Thank you.